This COVID crisis, just to make an analogy, would be like waking from a dream. The first two minutes, you remember it really vividly. But if you don't talk to someone and you don't tell it or write it down, then you forget it quite immediately. I wouldn't choose ever to go through this. But as it is happening, we need to make the most of it. What does this mean? Welcome back to Wise Words, the show where we talk to the world's leading minds in education and beyond. This is the producer of the show, Basim, speaking to you. If this is your first time tuning in or you're a returning listener, we're delighted to have you with us and hope you're staying safe and healthy wherever you're tuning in from. Do let us know how you're doing on your side, as we're always happy to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts by sending us a message on any of our social media channels through the links in the description. This episode's featured guest is Agustin Tienen, currently the CEO of Ox Education, and someone who started his entrepreneurial journey in education from a very young age. Together with host of the show and CEO of WISE, Stavros Sinuka, they'll be talking about the Latin American education response to the current situation and how edtech ventures like Ox's Spanish learning platform, Wombox, are stepping in in an attempt to ensure learning never stops. Once again, thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to Wise Words on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud to hear more. Good day, everyone, and uh, welcome back for another uh, episode of uh, Wise Words. My guest today is Agustin uh, Parado from uh, Argentina. He is uh, an education technology entrepreneur. Uh, the founder of Ox. And one of the things that we will be talking about today is one of the interactive uh, education platforms that he uh, and his colleagues have developed called uh, OneBox. Agustin, welcome. Thank you, Staros. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, sharing this place with you. My name is Agustin. I'm the founder and CEO of Ox. Uh, we are a company that started uh, at the end of 2017. We founded the company with the objective of ensuring that every kid has access to quality of education. So the main product or solution that we provide is Wombox, that it's an online learning platform aimed for kids between 3 and 14 years of age. It basically is a very large ecosystem of, of learning tools that teachers use to teach and kids to learn while they play. And one of the main characteristics of the platform is that it's adaptive. So while the kid learns in the platform, the platform learns how the kid learns and adapts according to each student's needs. Things here in Argentina and in Latin America in general are a little bit difficult, I would say. You have to take into account that we don't only have to, to take over this current crisis, but we also have a very big and systematic economic crisis in almost every country in Latin America. So these two combinations, uh, combination of, uh, of factors have been really tricky. Regarding how am I doing, I'm doing fine. Um, I'm taking every day as, as one day. So today I woke up, I, I realized that I had an interview with you. So I spent the last 10 minutes combing my hair. So I'm really presentable for the, for the interview. Yeah, well, well, uh, you look uh, you look very well groomed, I have to say. For uh, thank you, thank you very much <laughs> for, for someone in uh, in, in lockdown. Um, thank you. Tell us tell us a little bit uh, more about Ox, and 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 maybe focus a little bit on on what are you doing that's different now because of 
I think that I can talk uh, uh, in representation of everyone. This uh, current COVID crisis has changed everything uh, from the way we work and the way we support each other as a community. Uh, just to give you, for example, a positive example, I have realized that micromanagement and remote work are not compatible. So yeah. this has meant that uh, each one of the team members has had to step up and be protagonist of their own role and to be able to help the, our community uh, in these uh, difficult times. I'm really proud to say that uh, every one of them has become leaders in their own domain. And this sense of empowerment has made us more flexible and resilient. On a positive note, I, I'm, I'm really confident because I know that they have my back and I have theirs. Just to look back, let's say, six or seven weeks into the past, at the beginning of March, uh, we started to see that the, the crisis would be reaching Latin America sooner than later. And we wanted to make sure as a company that we were prepared and we were able to help in these difficult times to come. I want to be sincere. We, we didn't imagine at the time the extent of the transformations that the COVID crisis would generate. But we understood that for education to be able to respond to the COVID crisis, there were mainly four pillars to take into account. I, I took a little bit of a note here because there's a framework we like to use when we analyze these kind of situations, not only on a crisis, but on a general basis. And I think that for education to be able to respond to, to a crisis like this, there are four aspects. First is the human capacity. So are students, parents, educators, policymakers trained to adapt and respond to this crisis? So that's the first one. The second one is education policy and strategy. Are there laws and protocols to respond to these transformations at a short, mid and term and long term basis? The answer I would say no, this is an unprecedented event. Then there's the aspect of the enabling infrastructure. So are the communities provided with the technology and the access to the internet in order to respond to these challenges? In Latin America, I would say this is a, a really hard no. Um, most of the people haven't got access to the internet or the hardware to enable, you know, learning experiences uh, at home. And finally, technology. Are there innovative solutions with proven results available for everyone? So taking into account these four aspects, as a company, we decided to try to respond to these questions and, and ask ourselves, where are we able to give a hand? So we focused on two main aspects, human capacity and technology. Yeah. Regarding technology, we decided to open Woombox for free. Everybody could have access to a learning platform in which they could find really valuable resources with which to learn. Um, we have had a great response in the first, I think, four to five weeks, 20,000 people started, joined the, 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 the platform. So it meant for us a really big challenge because from day one to day 35, there are 20,000 new faces that we need to, to cater to, help, support, and, 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 well, and help mainly. And the other aspect was human capacity. This, this crisis has changed the way we learn and the way we understand learning. Uh, kids have become protagonists of their own learning. Parents have had to rediscover their role and their 
and the importance of how they can enable their, their, their kids to learn, teachers have, have had to transform the way they teach and policymakers have had to understand a crisis that is really profound. So what we decided to do on regards of the human capacity is mm -hmm. to start training and providing free training for the different, different roles that take into account in education. Every day, at least one workshop to train on a different aspect. And on average, we have more than a hundred participants. I, I don't, I didn't do the maths for this interview, but I'm confident that we're over the 5,000 participants already. It's not a, an amazing number, but uh, people find that that this is really helping them understand how to to cope with the challenges ahead. And, and tell me, tell me a little bit more about the the platform and about the kind of training that you you're providing. So, I mean, ga gamification, I understand, is is a kind of key feature of what uh, what you're offering. Uh, yes. Speak to that a little bit, and then and then also speak to the kind of training that you're providing. Are you Are you providing training specifically for your platform or is it a more general kind of training for teachers and others to, to benefit from online technologies? That's a great question. Um, regarding gamification per se, when we started designing our first tools, I'm talking quite some years ago, we understood and there's a lot of studies regarding this and, and I think they are, they are better on on explaining this aspect, but if if you have a kid that is engaged, there's a lot of uh, motivation, happiness, and different feelings uh, when studying or learning something new, then that learning is more powerful. It stays for longer and it's more significant. So why is gamification a good ally in this context? Because if used correctly, and it's not an easy thing to do, you can really amplify the learning experiences of all, not only kids, but also the, the, the teachers, you know, the, the, the ones that enable the learning. So we have been learning quite a lot for the last 10 years on how to find the right uh, amount of gamification to empower or, and, or, or enrich the learning experiences. Regarding uh, training, We have been working for more than 10 years in what's, uh, what would be the, the training of different roles in education, not only teachers, but also parents. We work a lot with families. We wanted to make sure that in order to be able to enrich the, the learning experiences inside the platform, we had to have a broader you know, understand, understanding of, of the ecosystem that needed to take place. For example, our platform, it's an excellent combination with... Uh, video conference tools such as Zoom or Meet. So what we try to do is, is broaden our spectrum of, of, of learning, of, of teaching, and we try to cater to different um, spaces. It's not the same to talk to a rural teacher in the middle of the mountains, to a parent in an urban house where they have connections to the internet. The topics, the tools, and the way we engage with our students is going to be quite different. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to adapt according to those different situations. Does that mean that Woombox has a a kind of offline uh, version to it? Is 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 that the implication there? Have I understood it's, that? <laughs> sort of. I'm going to say sort of. Um, 
uh, on our beginnings yeah. and, and it's still this way. We have worked quite a lot in rural areas and also in urban areas where there is no access to, to resources. From our start, we had to think in these two kind of ways, you know, online, offline. Basically, what we do is we have many of the tools that are available in the platform available offline first. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, a kind of a method of how to work on offline ecosystems. Mm -hmm. For example, um, we have what we call a nodal system. Basically, you, you, you can take like a whole map and think that you have different regions and your teachers or your, or your parents or, or someone that has impact on the region will work like a node. So this is the person that will enable the region. These people, these people basically in a 90% of, 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 of the situations, they have access to internet. So they would be like our proxy into that region. And they are trained by us. We work together and we learn a lot from them because they know what, are, what, is, a, what is possible and what isn't possible in that region. So yeah. based on this kind of nodal logic, we work with them and we provide them with tools. What does this mean? Resources, access to content, projects, ideas, And even proposals, for example, now we're doing a beautiful project that is uh, going in between, uh, you know, provinces in which kids are creating their own uh, stories and then they are sharing it in between different provinces. So they travel quite a long way. How do we do this? This node or the teacher gets in touch with their community, with the parents. Mostly in Latin America, there's quite a lot of uh, access to the smartphone. A family has one smartphone and access to, you know, a telephone line. So WhatsApp, that's our great ally in those regions. They send like small texts. We're going to work this. This is the way I'm going to send you a very short video, less than one megabyte and explain you what's the idea. Then mm -hmm. we empower parents and the students. I, I'm, I'm going to share you after the interview a video of the kids. It's, it's amazing themselves becoming really storytellers. They do the job, they learn, they do the metacognitive uh, process of learning from what they learn. They send it back to the teacher. We work with that. So basically it's being really flexible and resilient to the current situation and depending on the, on the region, what is possible to be done and what isn't. Now that, that's, that's incredible. And that's, that's a, a, a very kind of innovative and practical way to reach to reach those communities and, and have sort of the benefits of technology uh, filter through even where, you know, access is, is very limited. And yeah, no, we'd love to see the video and, uh, and, and share it, you know, more, more broadly. I'm sure a lot of the uh, folks uh, tuning in to, to watch and listen to us are, uh, are keen to see, see that as well. Tell me, address a little bit, if you don't mind, the, the training aspect. So when you, when you say you're providing training, again, it sounds to me like you're training not just on your kind of solutions, but, but on a sort of broader, broader spectrum of capacities. Do you, do you want to say a little bit about what, what some of those yes. are? Yes. Everybody that knows me, like, uh, I like to use a lot of anecdotes. So when, when we started uh, this, this current crisis, I told my team that For every 10 questions that you will receive, one of them will be a technical question 
The other nine will require your emotional support. So let's start from that. And it really happens. Uh, literally, from every 10 questions, nine are more of a support, more than a technical aspect of it. So what we decided to do is, what is it that we need to do to enable every one of the, of the, of the actors, of the users, uh, to empower them as learners and educators, both, because they will learn and they will teach. One of the aspects that we work towards is disempowerment. You know, you can do it. You can find ways in which you can enable learning. And part of the training is talking about how does this work? Because, you know, if you stay on a very theoretical aspect, uh, panel, you know, it's difficult to, to then translate it into action. So, for example, I'll give you a, a, a nice example that, that has been really significant in my life on a personal manner. Um, let, let's say four years ago, I visited a rural school in, in Catamarca. It's a, it's a province on the west of Argentina. Mm -hmm. And there's a really nice thing that they do in that school. Um, parents every morning take their kids to the school and they spend breakfast in the, with their kids in the, in the school. Because, as you may know, uh, kids not only go to school just to get uh, you know, their education, but they also eat there in many cases. Yeah. So it's a really nice moment, you know, sharing with the parents and the kids. But we had a really special case in first grade. The teacher came in to, uh, uh, to us. Her name is, is Julia. And she told us that she had 14 kids. 13 of them were girls and one little boy. And the boy was really struggling. He was really having a hard time learning. So we wanted to give a hand. And at the same time, the parent, the father came to us and he said, look, I'm, I know that my kid is really struggling at, 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 uh, with, with, with school, but I'm 65 years old and two years ago his mother died. So it's just the two of us. There's a really a huge gap, a gap between the ages. He's six, I'm 65. We don't have anything in common and I haven't studied. I didn't finish my school, so I don't know how to help him. Yeah. I want to, but I don't know how to. So we told them basically this. You don't need to know how to teach to enable the learning of your son. So I'll give you an idea. We, can you get a, you know, a phone, a computer or something? He said, yes. So what we did is install the, the tools that Woombox provides in his computer. And we told them, we're going to play a game. It's called a copilot game. Mm -hmm. What does the copilot main game mean? Basically, the kid is the driver. Think about Dakar, no? The, the driver has, you know, has the decision. He turns, he takes the car wherever he wants. Yeah. What does the copilot do? He helps him navigate. navigate That's yeah. basically what he does. Yeah. So you won't give him the answers. You won't tell him how to solve the, the, the games. You will be able there to join him and learn with him. And if you have any ideas, you can share it with him. So two months after this, we came back. Yeah. The teacher comes running to us. She says, you, don't, you can imagine, the kid is doing really, really good. But the most um, beautiful you know, thing about this wasn't what the fact that the kid was doing better and that the teacher was really happy, but the father then came to us and he said, I want to thank you personally because even though I'm really happy that my kid is doing better, what's most important for us is that for the first time, there's something that we can share together. 
We really yeah. look forward every day to spending this 15, 20 minutes playing together. And when we eat, we talk about the strategies that we came into part. And it's something that we share together. And that's what I'm trying to, or we are trying to build, is empowering each one of us to become learners and educators. And he says, I'm even learning with my kid things that I haven't seen. And this is what we try to do when we look into training. How can we enable this powerful self-learner uh, and self-teacher that we can become? And yeah. I think the COVID crisis has been a really amazing uh, enabler of this. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great story, actually. And, and uh, which, which actually leads, leads me to, to kind of a follow-up question around, you know, what are you seeing as, as kind of some of the challenges and, and opportunities for, for getting people to adopt more of this kind of co-learner mindset that, you know, that their role is, is to help kids navigate, their role is to help, you know, uh, to, to accompany them on a, on a learning journey and even learn themselves. What are some of the challenges that you, you've come across and then what are some of the opportunities that you're seeing? I like to spend a lot of time inside classrooms. I think it's one of the things that I like the most. You know, you go into a classroom, you find nine-year-olds and you say, now we are all astronauts and everybody has become an astronaut. We're traveling through the universe, having an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. I think that as we grow up, we, we tend to lose that, this playful kind of learning space. Mm-hmm. And that's where those kind of, you know, difficulties appear. For example, yesterday I was talking with a, a psychopedagogue and she said, I really like the way you treat me. Like every time that I go to my kids and they, I ask them, how do I make Zoom work? Like, mom, you should have known this. And it gets really tricky. And it works the other way around. When you have a little kid that sits down with their parents and they start getting really nervous because, you know, three plus three is six and they start, you know, to get nervous. And I understand why this happens. It's easier to be flexible, patient with one that is not inside of their home. But on the other side, I think that if you go back into the basic concept of of playing and playing as a powerful learning tool, then this changes dramatically, you know? Because if you're playing with your kid, the expectations of reaching the objective of the learning is not the end but just a consequence of sharing a nice moment with your kids. And the Mm -hmm. same way works around when my mother talks to me and she says, I don't understand how this works. The first of the first thing we do is we laugh. You know, I've told you a thousand times, doesn't matter. We're going to do it a thousand and one and it will take as long as it takes till you reach it. And once you laugh, you go into a different kind of mode. The other one is learning better. You are less stressed. And this is, quite a powerful learning experience because it's not only about learning but about sharing and this discovering is done together so the first thing that i just to to summarize i would say that one of the the main things is this tension that is building up in every learning experience in which we need to make the kid learn how to add or how to write a word and if it doesn't work we start getting nervous so let's, yeah. let's take that out. And this is the opportunity. What I, I'm trying to provide in this interview is take out the objective for a little while and just play with it. Explore, learn, 
And you will realize that you will also be learning, not only the kid. And I think that's a, an amazing opportunity. Now that we are inside a house sharing 24-7, if we don't play, we're going to start getting a little bit uh, you know, mad. So I think it's, it's good. Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting. And, and I've, I've long believed that gamification and gaming in general is sort of an underutilized resource for for learning i mean we we you know we we i think accept it very easily for very young kids but the older we uh the older we get the older our kids get we you know we we consider games to be uh trivial and 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 you know and and not serious and therefore we we tend to discount them as uh as potential tools of learning. Um, is that, so, so tell me a little bit about Woombox. I mean, you, you go up to, I think up to ages 14, right? Yeah. In terms of, 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 of game-based uh, solutions. What, I mean, what are, what are your broader thoughts? I mean, do you, do you think we should be going, going further? I mean, what, what is it uh, other than this kind of maybe mental block towards games as, as, as not being serious, what, what is it that's preventing us from adopting gamification more widely in our, in our learning? Well, that's a really tricky question to answer, but an interesting one. Um, I would, the first thing that I would say, it's okay to be silly once in a while, just to say that. Regarding gamification and, and playful learning, I think it's possible at all ages. Yeah, I'm not saying just 18 years old, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, because there's studies that prove that while we play, learning is amplified. So we have the theory and we have the, the studies that prove it. Why not use it? And I think the biggest challenge is finding the medium. It's not the same way to play with a five-year-old mm-hmm. than to play with an 11-year-old with an 18-year-old or a 35-year-old. And this is one of the challenges that creators need to tackle and understand. And this even becomes even more dramatical when you go into a small age. From five to six, it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same thing working with a five-year-old than a six-year-old. For example, from we, we have bootstrapped as a company and much of our work to, to be able to reach the rural areas has been working with uh, corporations, you know, training companies. And we have developed a lot of different uh, learning tools, even MOOCs. We have a, a really amazing MOOC in edX that has uh, had a, a prize. And what we have never um, discarded was the playful learning. But it's not the same with a five-year-old than a, a 30-year-old. For example... I like to use a lot of simulations when we talk about older kids. For example, there's a really nice simulation that we made for 16-year-olds, 17. Mm-hmm. And basically what we wanted to work is different aspects of um, the environment and, and the way we can do better. So basically there was a small video that we created in which there was a fictional government, a governor, governor that filmed himself and said, look, we have a really difficult situation. We are spending a lot of energy. We need to make our buildings even more efficient. So we have schools, we have hospitals, we have houses. How are you going to help us 
reduce the impact and the cons consumption of, of energy. So the kids become, uh, you know, um, consultants. Yeah. And and once we we just put the rules and and the context of the story, they they took their hats. As I told you, in third grade they became astronauts. This these guys became consultants. They were really serious. They started even changing the way they spoke. They started using, you know, more academic language when they spoke. And when they started working, they were role playing. Yeah. They were playing, yeah. and and it was amazing. You can imagine in in three, um, uh, you know, meetings of two hours, the kids learned so much, so much. Yeah. And when it ended, they they realized, you know, and we're talking about an age where you know a lot of things are happening. They don't want to play. They they are against you know adults, but they were loving it. So I think it's also about finding the way to play. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, no, that, that's that's a, again a, a great example, and of course, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it, it's it's interesting that we change, you know, we change the word, right? We you use the word simulation, suddenly it becomes a serious exercise. I mean, you could have used the term play acting, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, or role play, and and uh, you know, you 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 reframed it though here. No, we're going to simulate. Uh, you know, an important uh, challenge and an important problem. And then we're going to have you, you know, learn about some of the solutions to, to uh, you know, as, as a medium. And I, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's really interesting that you, you know, you, when you reframe it in this way, then suddenly it stops becoming a game and it, you know, it's, it, it, it acquires the, uh, the status of a more serious exercise, even and though at home it's still a game. Yes, and, and, and it's also good to say we're playing a game. For example, yeah. in this in this MOOC that I told you about a, a little bit before, and the first the, 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 the course started with this. It was an interactive video in which you received a call and you could hang up or or just take the call. And you could hang up. And, and, and most of the people hanged up at the beginning and it, and it went into voicemail. And the voicemail was a funny thing. It was like, Sorry, I'm I'm really busy. Um, I don't know who you are, but if if you convince me, I'll call you back. And everybody was laughing. You know, it, it was a joke. And and being able to play and explore, you know, we can become kids again and 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 play with it. And I think it's it's good to keep on, you know, exploring the way we can we can play and learn. It's very powerful. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, Augustine, let's let's uh, let's change tack a little bit now. As you as you look out beyond sort of COVID nineteen and the crisis, and and look, I I hear what you're saying in terms of you know this this crisis is one of you know one of a series that unfortunately uh, you know parts of Latin America are are experiencing. What what do you see? as some things that are likely to permanently change, at least in terms of the way we think about education post-lockdown? Uh, post what, what do you see in, in, your, in your domain, in your part of the world as, as changing? I would say that one of the aspects that uh, I think will change, or I'm really hoping, so uh, one or the other, is the way we understand uh, teaching and learning. I have seen amazing stories about how kids have really stepped up their game and become autonomous learners. And I think one of the main things that we work every day is to make sure that the kid 
as soon as possible becomes autonomous in his his or her learning because once they become autonomous they will they will keep on needing other people to enable their learning but they will also be able to learn by their own because parents are at home but they need to work kids need to find their ways to develop this set of tools we call them like a toolbox and it's amazing how how far they have come on this weeks and the other thing that has happened regarding this is that adults as have understood that kids are really more able to to learn that that we sometimes suppose they can and uh, that's not an understatement and if we really understand that this is happening i think that educational systems will start to change the way they address learning for the kids that would be the first thing the second thing is parents have had like two very big and strong emotions the first one is look i'm i'm empowered to become once again a, a teacher of, our, our, of my kids uh, in a world in an urban area where you know you drop your kid in the school and you understand they are going to do the job i'm going to do my job and back give me back my kid a little bit more uh, instructed um, and they have rediscovered that kids don't learn just at school they learn 24/7 and if we do just small things like caring and showing that learning is important it goes a really long way on the other side they have discovered that teachers are very important like yeah. they hadn't understood how difficult it is to educate a kid and make him him or her learn considering the heterogeneity that this means you know every kid is different needs different things and you need to cater emotionally and practically so so many different aspects so i think that as a community we started to value more teachers understand that their role is key i would say even as as key as uh, health uh, practitioners nowadays because they are building the the structure of our society the future is on their hands they are enabling these kids that will then transform the way we we live i think that the other aspect is that the different uh, players that come into account when we talk about learning have had a very important experience i'm i'm just saying like this covid crisis just to make an analogy would be like like waking from a dream you know you when the first two minutes you remember it really vividly but if you don't talk to someone and and you don't tell it or write it down then you forget it quite immediately mm-hmm. i think i wouldn't choose ever to go through this but as it is happening we need to make the most of it and what does this mean we need to dot down we need to talk and to address it now what is it that we have to change in education to take a step forward to transform the way we learn and we teach i think this reimagine uh, you know the the wise event on last year it, it was really on this topic you know how do we understand human beings how do we enable their learning how do we change it and if we don't do it now i think most of the transformations could be lost So that's my concern slash opportunity when we talk about this. What what are what are some of the thoughts that you have about about what what specifically we ought to change in terms of of how and what we learn? First of all, uh, we need to make more when we talk about kids between zero and five. For example, here in Argentina, it's a tabu to teach them how to read and write. These are 
golden years of the kids. They are sponges. They are, their brain is so, so malleable that they can learn so much. So I think one really good measure is redesign those first years of education and let the kids explode in their learning. Give them tools, enable, them, enable autonomous learning. You can see that when you see a kid with, you know, games, uh, you know, um, physical games or I interactive games, they do so much learning. So enable that, give them as many hours as you can. While they play, they will be learning. The second aspect is potentiate this autonomous learning in every level of education, not only between zero and five. You need to have spaces in which kids don't go to a specific class. They just work on the, when they, what they need to work on. So if I'm really struggling with this, then you have two hours every Friday to sit down and learn the way you can. We'll give you the tools. We, we will enable the space, but kids will be autonomously learning. I think that would be really, really amazing. I think that those two, two, two examples are, they look like basic examples, but it changes dramatically the way we design the spaces, we design the way we teach, and we train our teachers and, and, and our teams uh, to, to enable. The peer-to-peer -peer learning, for example, is something that is really underused, really underused. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I tell everybody the same story. I was one day at, uh, at a class, I was teaching a concept that for me was quite simple. It was, I think it was adding. I'm not sure what it was, but I was, and I really like to cater to every one of the kids. So we were 28 and there was one kid couldn't get it. And I was like really breaking my head, like showing different ways to construct that concept. And in a simple moment, one of his peers just said a really simple colloquial phrase. It was like, you know, very peer to peer kind of phrase. And the kid said, ah, and I was like, boom. I have been spending the last five minutes trying to teach this kid something. And his peer said one phrase and he understood it. Yeah. Yeah. So if we don't start enabling peer-to-peer -peer learning, we're losing a lot of learning opportunities. Yeah, and I, and I think this is this is a it, it's important here to emphasize. I'm just I'm trying to connect perhaps the dots between between your earlier point about autonomous learning versus and 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 peer-to-peer. -peer. Autonomous doesn't have to mean isolated, right? I mean, you're not we're not talking about atomized learning, meaning that that you know you're you're there just on your own and, and, and uh, uh, secluded. Uh, autonomous essentially means in your own time, at your own pace, but being able to draw on your peers as well as your teachers and your parents for, for support and guidance when you need it. Am I right in thinking that that's... Yes, that's, yes, that's, yeah, and it's really common to, to mix those concepts. Yeah. Um, human beings, human beings are social creatures. We need to interact with each other. And yeah. this is something that I tell kids. If you can solve a problem, that's the first step of knowing the concept or the skill. If you're able to teach it and explain it, then that's a whole new level. Yeah. So enabling spaces in which the kids are able to teach their peers and explain and construct, it's a whole new level of learning. And there's too few experiences and instances in which this happens. Too few. So 
if, if, if we are talking about peer-to-peer, we need to empower the kids to learn at their own pace and help each other. It's amazing. For example, you know, at this time, you will understand that I give a lot of examples and anecdotes, but there was a time in which I was in a class and uh, they were playing and, and, and learning. And, and the teacher told me, look, this is the first time that I play, uh, that I do a class with uh, one um, laptop per child, one uh, d- device per child. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm struggling. Every kid is like calling me out because the dynamics of a class nowadays is the teacher is the, the wise on the, on the side, you know, the, the wise on the, on the front. And she has, or he has the, all the answers. I told them, let's wait, let's pause. So I came into the class and I said, kids, we're going to do two things. Before asking a question, try to solve it yourselves. The computer will not break. And you know, that's more than the teacher. So just play around. Second, if you can't find the answer, ask the kid on your side. Mm -hmm. First of all, the level of noise came down. 90% 90% and the teacher relaxed. Second, the teacher started becoming the, the you know, the, the ally on the side. She walked around, mm-hmm. saw how things were going. So then I, I became, I, I did another experiment. I, I identified because of the metrics that we, we registered, the kids mm-hmm. that were doing better. And we started, some of them, we started giving them even higher challenges, but the other ones, we told them, we're going to put you in pairs with another kid that's struggling. But I'm going to tell you this. You cannot tell him the answer. You cannot tell him. And it was amazing because the yeah. kids changed the way they sat. They started like doing like this. Like, okay, let me help you. So they, they changed the way they even acted. And yeah. they started, you know, doing this peer-to-peer learning in which they had to struggle a lot in not to say the answer, but find a way to explain it. And not only the kid that was struggling was giving, was receiving the help, a personalized help. But the kid that was doing this job was learning at a whole new level. So I think that's really important to take into account when we talk about autonomous learning, self-paced learning, peer-to-peer. Those things interact. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you've also just given, given an interesting example of the way you're using data uh, that you're collecting uh, when you're monitoring progress, uh, you're using it, you know, n- not to assess so much the kids, but to enable this kind of matching in this case. Kids who understand the concept, match them with, you know, with kids who, who, who maybe are struggling. And, and again, because of what you, what you had said earlier, actually both will benefit, Right. Of course, the kids, the kids who are struggling will will benefit because they'll have someone who is kind of closer to them uh, in terms of thinking, in terms of language, yeah. um, and and can sort of help accelerate their learning. And the kids who are doing the teaching are also going to benefit because, as you very rightly pointed out, having to teach something takes you to a whole different level of understanding of of that issue. Um, so no, I, I love I love that anecdote. I mean, because it it's it illustrates you know uh, the proper use of data, if if I may may use that, and and the yeah. proper use of evaluation and monitoring. Um, and it demonstrates, you know, autonomous learning, peer to peer, 
um, as well as uh, personalized, right? Yeah. So it's it's a great uh, great example. Agustin, what's what's next for uh, for Ox and uh, Woombox? What uh, how do you see how do you see the future of your uh, enterprise? You know, post post this uh, this this <clears throat> situation that we find ourselves in. I'm looking for different ways to avoid saying crisis all the time. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I have the same struggle. Yeah. Um, the team uses uh, generally says that I'm a romantic uh, in source of way. I really, I, I decided to go into 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 education because I really believe that education is the main enabler of of, of uh, transformation into a better society. So yeah. if you give the tools to the people to change and transform their own realities, then we're going on the right direction. And we found the docs with that objective, uh, maybe an unrealistic one, but we like it. It's to enable that, to ensure that every kid has access to quality education. And we need, when we say every kid, we say every kid in the world. Yeah. So what's next? I would say that... Uh, we need to prove as a company or an organization that we are providing the right tools to enable, you know, the right type of learning. This is a, a very tricky question for everyone because it, it, it means to look inside and see what's your, what you're doing right and what you are not doing right and, and understand that if we tell kids that it's right, it's great to be wrong because when we make mistakes, we learn we need to show them that we are able to do the same. And this is something that it's kind of a mantra in Ox. You know, what is it that we can do better? How can we make this better? How can we enable our users to learn better? So if I'm looking into the, into the future, I would say that we would like to reach more kids first. That would be the thing that keeps me awake every day. You know, I'll tell you with a lot of uh, happiness that we reached 20,000 more people, but that's nothing if you take into consideration, you know, the whole world and what you need. So reach even more, more people and be, and make sure that we can really work as a network to enable this, uh, this learning infrastructure and to make sure that we can become even better. I really think that we're, what we're doing is, is, is uh, changing people's lives we want to change more people's lives in a better way and for that we need to keep on learning like everybody does yeah so i think that's that's the direction we want to take work with organizations work with governments work with other companies and make sure that every kid has access to quality education i, I think that's an aspiration that that all of us who you know are are involved or in, in some way affiliated with with education share What's the best way, uh, Agustin, for listeners to, to find out more about, uh, about you and about, about the work that you do? Well, um, you can find us on, on you know, the social networks. Um, Instagram is one of the, mo- the, the ones that we use most. And uh, it's Ox Education, OX Education. The other way, it's, you, can, you can send us an email. We would love to chat and find new ways. Uh, an email is... Ox, O-X, at oxed, O-X-E-D, dot com, C-O-M, dot R, for Argentina, A-R. 
talking and building together is the way to to move forward. So we would love to to chat with everyone that's interested in in in, in building towards a better future. And education is key for that. Augustine, it's it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on uh, on Wise Words. Keep uh, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I, I'm sure this won't be the last time that we uh, we uh, we chat about education, about the great work that uh, Ox and Wombox is doing. So thanks for being uh, being with us uh, today, and thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen to uh, to this episode of, of Wise Words. Thank you very much, Stavros. It's been really a pleasure talking to you and thank you for, for everything and the Waste community. It's been really helpful and, and we have been learning a lot since we started working with you. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And there you have it. Many thanks to Agustin Tienen for joining us in this discussion and thank you for tuning in. Once again, if you like this episode, don't forget to let us know by reaching out to us on our social media channels and let us know what you think. All the links for that are in the description and be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you want more from Wise Words. Thanks for tuning in and looking forward to having you here next time. All the best.